And everybody said? Amen. All right. Um, so if you don't know the story, here's kind of what happened. On Friday night, they crucified the Lord at Calvary. That's a Carmen song for those of you that remember Carmen. Okay. Um, they crucified Christ at Calvary. And we talked last week here at the church. Um, we, we asked the question that a lot of us don't spend enough time thinking about. Why did Jesus die? For a lot of people that ha have been in church or been raised in America that have heard this idea, our, our immediate answer is, well, he died for my sins. And that is not true. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Jesus died for your sins. It does say he died because of your sins. But he only died for one thing, and that was you. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for humanity. Not because of our, he died because of our sins, not for them. He died for you. Yes. And he died for me. Imagine it this way. Imagine that you have a family friend who is riddled with a dangerous cancer. And there is, they've done everything they can do medically to try to cure this person. And they have one thing left, one, one little piece of medication left. But it is so strong, it, they, are pretty, they are very confident it would kill out the cancer. But it would also kill the host. Sin was a cancer that humanity has tried for generations to cure. We've tried everything. We've tried every kind of idea. We've tried every kind of God. <laughs> right now we're trying it without God. And yet this sickness, there is only one cure. And there is not a human on the planet that could handle the cure. Because the cure would kill you. Yet God loved you and me so much that he created himself in the form of Christ. Knowing that only he could handle the cure. Knowing that the cure would cause death because the wages of sin is death. When Adam and Eve sinned, the, the very thing that God told them to do, told them was, if you do this, you will die. And yet God chose to become Christ. And Christ came because he loves the world. And while you and I were dead in our sins, he accepted the cure. And though the cure killed him, it allowed relationship for all of humanity to be restored with their father. But I'm glad that the story doesn't end with Jesus on a bloody cross. The story says that they took him off the cross and a rich man. Hallelujah. I'm so glad that God uses rich people. I'm praying for rich people in new life all the time. Yeah. That a rich man came and a rich man had a grave. And the rich man gave what he had to Christ. I want you to know there are some of you, you are more rich than you think. You need to learn to give what God has placed into your hands. And if you'll do it, God will do something miraculous with it. But if you hold on to it, it'll never accomplish its purpose. This rich man gave of his grave. And they buried Christ in the grave and rolled this big stone. And there was this rumor that Jesus had said that he was going to come back to life. And, and the religious leaders were very concerned about it, so they told the Roman leaders. And the Roman leaders sealed the tomb with the seal of the emperor. They put guards all about the tomb. 
in hopes of keeping people from stealing the body of Jesus. This stone, most historians believe, took at least 10 Roman guards to move. It was a big stone. And it rolled up over that grave and sealed it shut. And some of you have had experiences in your life where there has been a death and there's been a big stone that you can't touch anymore. You can't deal with it on your own. That's been rolled up and it has now sealed part of your life off. It's cut you deep. And you've just determined that the rest of your life you're going to live in a graveyard. Remembering what was in the past, bound by what was in the past, yet never really experiencing the life that God truly has for you. Well, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16 that Saturday evening, verse 1, Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. They were faithful even when he had died. They were faithful to their custom. But very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. I love this. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? I just love the, the audacity of these ladies. They're, they're going and they're going to anoint the body of Jesus, but there's this big boulder in the way that took about 10 Roman soldiers to move. They're on the way and it dawns on them, wow, we got a big problem in front of us. Who's going to take care of this? And maybe some of you, that's you today. You know what those gravestones are, and you think, man, who is going to deal with this? I can't deal with this anymore. Who is actually going to deal with the pain of my past? Who's going to help me overcome the things I've done to myself? But I am so glad that while they were asking this question, as they arrived, they looked up and saw the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. What if today, in this moment, in the next few moments right now, some of you could have your eyes opened that what you thought was immovable has already been moved? That what you thought sealed up your past has been changed. And they get there. And that which they were concerned about was already dealt with. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man. I'm glad he wasn't an old man. I'm glad to know in heaven we're all young. Yes. <laughs> That's my story. I'm going to believe it. <laughs> when they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side of this table. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. But he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Some of you need to get risen from the dead. I love that story. I love how if you take all of the accounts from the Gospels, you get slight variations. That doesn't mean that the Bible contradicts itself. Have you ever been in a courtroom where they have witnesses? Do you know why they have to have multiple witnesses? Because every witness sees the same event differently. Right? And so they'll get multiple witnesses. And when they get all of the testimony from all of the witnesses, you get a much clearer picture of what is going on. You see, in one gospel account, it says that there were two angels 
that were at the tomb at this point. In this story, in Mark, there's one. In Luke, there's one. Guess what? What is one plus one? Two. All right. So they're not contradicting. Luke focused on one angel. John focuses on another angel. And Matthew had them both there because he was just everywhere. But there was this angel. And this angel is sitting there where the body of Jesus is supposed to be. And he tells them, you're looking for something that's dead, but it's alive. And I'm here to tell you, I believe that there are many of us today that we stare at dead things in our life that we think are over, we think are dead, and we are blinded to the reality of the truth that there is nothing dead in God, that everything is full of life. And if we'll hear today, I believe God wants to speak to some of you that he wants you, like Jesus, to come alive. I think in this story, we find that broken hearts are called to come to life. And the story as it's told in John, uh, the, the, the woman Mary is left at the tomb by herself. Beginning in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And she wept. She sobbed. And she stopped and looked in. She saw, here we go, two white robed angels. One sitting at the head. One at the foot for the place where the body of Jesus was lying. And then they said, dear woman, why are you crying? The angel asked her. For most of my life, I've been a crier when it comes to the presence of God. I'm, I'm moved by compassion. And I'm, I am an emotional person. But the Lord has healed me of my crying. Because ingrained in my background is this idea that I'm never good enough for his love. That if I perform right, he'll love me. That if I do the right things, I'm good enough for him. That if I don't smoke, don't drink, and don't chew, That if I don't cut my hair, oh, I wish I had hair to cut. Anyway, actually, it was the reverse. I was told because I had long hair, I was a sinner. Yeah, I'll never forget it. I had this dad, my dad today is not the dad of my childhood. Praise God, there's transformation. And um, he, had this, he had this guy who, who he brought in for several years. I don't remember his name, I just remember his belly went below his waist. And he'd bring him in every year. And on Wednesday night, he'd preach to the youth. And he would always point right at me because I had the hair down to my shoulder blades. It is a sin for a man to have long hair. Well, I don't know about that, but I do know the Bible says gluttony is a sin. And I don't see you looking at yourself in the mirror there, you know. <laughs> we focus on all the wrong stuff and think if we get everything just right, we'll be loved. Do you know what the root of that is? Shame. And there are so many Christians who think they're worshiping God, yet they're bound by shame. And that's why when you come into the presence of God, you shriek away. You want to hide away. When you come into the presence of God, you come up with all the reasons why God can't love you. It's because at the root of it all is shame. And we are holy not because of anything we do or don't do. We're holy because Jesus is holy. And all of those that are in him are now holy. Period. 
I love the fact, do you know that the Bible says not only did Jesus die for me, not only did Jesus die because of my sin, but the Bible actually says that Jesus became sin. He became sin without doing a single act of sin. So that you and I can become righteous without doing a single act to earn it. That was good. You ought to think about that one. You ought to think about that one. And I think that the Holy Spirit would love to ask some of us today, why are you, why are you crying so much? Why, why are you crying over things that, you, that are dead to you? Things that are dead to you. She replied, because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Oh, that I could get you to believe that Jesus is sitting next to you, standing next to you, with you. You may not recognize him, but it doesn't change the reality that he is with you all the time. She didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Why is she crying? Because she's brokenhearted. Life hasn't turned out like she wanted. She had expectations that day that she was going to anoint the body of her Lord and her master and her friend. And yet, he wasn't where she expected him to be. And he wasn't in the manner she expected to find him. And she was brokenhearted. Who are you looking for? And then one word, Mary. You see, Jesus said Mary like nobody else said Mary. When he said Mary, it was, it was a deep love that saw her in the midst of her, her, her horrible lifestyle. And he still found value in her. And, and he said it in a way that, that pierced her heart and pierced the, the blindness of her eyes. And she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which means, teacher, I'm here to tell you today that the prophecy in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, is still true that he heals the brokenhearted. And if your heart has been broken by life, I want you to know he's speaking to you today just like he did to Mary. And he's saying, come alive. Let your heart come alive. Not only does he talk to brokenhearted people, but he talks to those whose hearts are discouraged as well and tells them to come alive. Later that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. And he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you are walking along? I love this. I just, let me tell you why I love this. Do you think Jesus didn't know what they were talking about? You know why I love this? Because it shows me that Jesus cares about a conversation, not just an answer. And he wants to have a conversation with you in your life. Sure, he knows everything, but he's willing to step back and have a conversation with you. Hey, what's going on in your life? Hey, what are you so concerned about? Hey, why are you so worried? Tell me what's going on. They stopped short with sadness written across their face. By this time, they were nearing 
Emmaus. And at the end of their journey, they had told Jesus about all the stuff that had happened to him. I want you to think about that. Jesus asked them, what are you talking about? I skipped some verses to save time, but they said, you had to have heard about what happened to Jesus. What happened to Jesus? Well, he was, he was a great man of God, and he did miracles, and he was, he was well-loved, and, and our religious leaders handed him over to be crucified, and they killed him, and, he's been, and that happened three days ago. I could just see Jesus going, yeah, really? Wow, that's cool. You know, sometimes I think we, we think our pain is a surprise to him. That our life journey is a surprise to him. That, that he somehow doesn't know everything that's gone on in our life. By the, by the time that they were nearing Emmaus, at the end of the journey, Jesus acted as if he was going on. But they, be, they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And they sat down to eat. He took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. I love the idea that Jesus doesn't just speak to the brokenhearted come to life, but he wants to talk to those that are discouraged to come to life. And you know how he'll bring you to life? By hanging out with you in everyday situations. He does not want you to hang out with him here. He wants you to know that he's with you in your car. He's with you when you eat. He's with you when you're arguing with your spouse. Yeah, yeah, think about that one. Oh, oh, we could go even farther when you're in the shower. David said, where can I go to get away from you? He's always with us. When you're discouraged, he's there to encourage you. And he wants you to know the discouragement doesn't have to be that that keeps you trapped in your past. He's... Speaks to the broken heart to come to life. He, he speaks to those that are discouraged today. He wants you to come to life. He, he speaks to those who have fearful hearts. Need to be careful how much news you watch nowadays. Including Fox News. Because there's fear woven into all of it. And it's ramping up fear. There's fear in the church. Oh, pastor, look at the world. I mean, all this stuff with all this sex stuff. and Oh, it's horrible. Guess what? It was worse than this in Rome. You need to study history. This is not new. This is what happens when the human race pushes itself against God and literally forgets and discounts everything of God. Rome was a polytheistic sexual culture. This is not new. Yet in the midst of that mess, God sent a message. In the midst of the sin, God sent a Savior. In the midst of the hurt, there was still hope. And I'm not going to let fear dominate us. We must turn our eyes to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, no matter what comes in this world. The church needs to stop begging in fear and start standing in the strength that we have in Jesus Christ. You need to study the martyrs. You need to go dig up some church history. You need to find some cojones. Every disciple, except for John, gave their life for the message of come alive. They did not die because Jesus was a son of God. 
They died because they would not recount that Jesus rose from the grave. They would not recount that they saw him after the grave. That's why Jesus didn't just appear to the 12, but he appeared to over 400 people after he... Graves burst open. Can you imagine sitting at Easter dinner today and grandma knocks at the door and she's been gone for 20 years? And that happened when Jesus came out of the grave. The grave gave up the dead. And the message of Jesus' resurrection spread throughout a, a pagan culture. And these people who saw him were not willing to give up that word. Were not willing to give up that testimony. And when they wouldn't give it up, they killed them. James, the leader of the church in Jerusalem, who at one point mocked Jesus because he was his half-brother. So when did James come to faith? After Jesus rose from the grave. We don't know, but I just, I, it wouldn't surprise me if Jesus showed up and talked to James. And James began to believe. Do you know in the story, little church history, you guys okay if I show you some church history for a minute? In the story where, I'm running out of time, I'm going on. Where Jesus was being tempted by the devil, and it says that he took him up to a high pinnacle and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, if you'll worship me, I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus said, don't tempt the Lord your God, okay? You know what I'm saying? Do you know that James was eventually arrested and, they, and taken, church history says, to the very top of that very same steeple and was told, deny the risen Christ. And he said, I will not deny my Lord. And they shoved him off of the highest pinnacle in Jerusalem. And when he fell to the ground, he wasn't dead. And they had to go and beat him to death on the ground because he wouldn't die. Do you know another one of the Followers of Jesus was crucified on an X cross. And while they were beating him and leaving him for dead for two days from that cross, he preached about the resurrected Christ. And you think a little bit of trouble in the United States of America is going to drive you into a coma of fear? We need to get powered up with the Holy Spirit that says, I'm living for something greater than this world. And I'm not going to let this world dictate my faith. But I'm going to keep it in the resurrected Jesus who is speaking today to a lot of you. Come to life. Fearful hearts come to life. There was fear right after the resurrection. Continuing on in our John account, that Sunday evening, the same night. He rises from the dead. He talks to uh, the brokenhearted Mary. Come to life. He, he meets with those that are discouraged on the road to Emmaus. Come to life. Now later that night, he shows up in a room full of fearful people. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And then here was his antidote to fear. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit not to speak in tongues only. You need the Holy Spirit not just to have fruits and gifts. You need the Holy Spirit because he's the antidote to fear. He is the, the power of faith. It is the Holy Spirit that is the strength of those that are tied into the vine, which is Jesus. Receive the Holy Spirit, he said. And that's why Timothy was written to later by Paul when he said, For God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Not of fear, but he's given you one of power and of love 
and of self-discipline. I'm here looking at some of you in your face right now. You need to let go of a spirit of fear that you're holding on to. And you need to release that thing and come to life in the power of the Holy Spirit that says no matter what, I'm going to stand in my faith with my risen Lord. I'm here to tell you there's some of you that are wrapped in fear and he wants you to come to life today. Broken hearts come to life. People that are disappointed, discouraged come to life. Those that are fearful hearts come to life. And those that have wounded hearts, you need to come to life too. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. How sad is that? He obviously had a twin, right? How sad is it that you had, he, he had to have that in there so no one would get confused on who he was? Thomas, the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we've seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand in the wound of his side. And some of you today, if you could see him, you'd believe him. If you could touch him, you'd believe him. If I could feel him, I'd believe him. If he would heal me, I'd believe him. Some of you, God has touched you in the past, and that touch proved to you that he loved you, but he loved you long before that. The love is not on his end. The fault is not on his end. It's on our short-sightedness, because we don't believe that he loves us. So praise God in his graciousness. He'll touch us. But that touch doesn't mean he loves us now. He's just trying to awaken you that he's always loved you. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. And he said, peace be with you. Why do you think Jesus always had to say, peace be with you? You think it maybe was because they were afraid? Because, I mean, this guy appears to them out of nowhere, you know? I mean, several times in the Bible, it says that Jesus is depicted as a ghost, you know, uh, that, that when, when he was walking on the water during the, the troubling sea where Peter is asked to walk to him, at first says they thought he was a ghost. Let me tell you something. He was. It was the Holy Spirit that they saw for the first time. He was a ghost, a holy ghost that was walking on top of everything and every, everything that would give limitations to us. The Holy Ghost was overcoming right at the very beginning. And he pops in there. And the first thing he says, be, be at peace, Don't, calm down. If he showed up in front of you, wouldn't you want him to say, peace? <laughs> it's okay. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, hey, Thomas, I heard what you said when you didn't think I was here. Jesus wasn't, with, he wasn't visibly with Thomas when Thomas made that statement. There are things that you say you don't think he hears. He hears every word. He hears every challenge. Hey, Thomas, I heard you when you didn't think I was listening. 
Come here. Put your hand into the wound and look at my hand and put your hand into the wound on my side and don't be faithless any longer, but believe. I don't know what it would be like to stick my hand into the inside of another body. I think it would freak me out, to be honest with you. And it freaked Thomas out enough that Thomas exclaimed, my Lord, my God. And he believed. Do you know what Jesus says to him if you continue reading this story? You're blessed because you've seen and believed. More blessed. Say more blessed. blessed. You know what? If I told you I could bless you or I could more bless you, which one are you going to choose? You are blessed because you have seen and yet believed. But more blessed are those who have not seen and yet choose to believe. I want you to think about those wounds. Famous song going on right now. I'm not going to debate the theology of it. It's a good song about the only scars in heaven won't belong to me and you. I don't know that that's, that may not be true. But these wounds were amazing because he had them before he went to the grave and he had them when he came out of the grave. You see, the wounds of his pain became the marks of his love. What he went in with wounds, they got touched by the resurrection power of God too. Because that which was meant for death became a pathway to life. Jesus told them, you believe because you've seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing. Not only were they marks of death, but they were marks of shame. For the Bible says it's shameful for a person to die on a cross. Some of you know about shame. You carry it with you. You carry the marks of shame. But I'm here to tell you, even your wounds get touched at the resurrection. Because what were meant for marks of shame became the marks of his salvation. And the Bible says in Psalm 147.3 that he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. You see, at the resurrection, nothing is left with the touch of death. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Everything is resurrected and everything is repurposed, including the wounds you carry, the hurt that you carry, the disappointment that you carry, the brokenness in your heart that you carry, the fear that's inside of you. If you will allow the resurrected Christ to touch you and he'll open your eyes that everything has been touched, there is no death in the resurrection. The pain of your past, the words that frame your worst, the physical mark of self-hurt that is still evident on your body can be touched by the great grace-robbing grace of God and become signs of a transformed life, not a wrecked one. Because he's still speaking. He's speaking to some of you right now. He's still loving. He's loving every one of us right now. He's still healing. He wants to heal every one of you right now. 
because today he is still echoing the words that caused an earthquake that morning the words that that caused a light of beaming brightness to cause the ten soldiers at the tomb to fall as if they were dead that same word that caused a stone to become unsealed and rolled away is still being echoed today where God the Father said come alive and Jesus was changed and Jesus now is standing here in this moment right now saying to many of you come alive let go of your hurts and you'll find they've already been healed let go of your disappointments and you'll find out I've already been there let go of your fear and you'll find out I've got more faith than you can handle let go of your pain and you'll find that there is peace if you'll let him bring you alive let's pray Holy Spirit God our Father Christ the Son